Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, I invite you to turn to it in your Bible or use one of the Pew Bibles. Matthew tw- chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. Or, I'm sorry, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the living and eternal word of God. Now I have heard in my somewhat short life several sermons on what we call today the Star of Bethlehem. I have read a few books on this topic. I have seen a few documentaries on the Star of Bethlehem, as I'm sure you all have. I remember as a kid going to the North Museum in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where they had a planetarium, and they would do a presentation every year, a scientific presentation on the Star of Bethlehem. And almost everything that I've heard, everything that I've read, everything that I've watched, it it seems they always try to frame the Star of Bethlehem within the boundaries of a naturally occurring phenomenon. A supernova, a comet, a conjunction of planets, something like that. In fact, it was just last December. I had forgotten about this uh, until I was preparing for the sermon. Just last year, we were told that we could look up in the night sky and see the star of Bethlehem for the first time in 800 years because Jupiter and Saturn will be combining to make one uh, singular light. Beloved, I want to propose to us tonight that perhaps... There is something far greater here at work in Matthew's account of the star and of the men who followed it than maybe what we've considered before. Something far greater at work than God using a natural phenomenon to guide some men from the far east to Israel. What I want to propose to you tonight is perhaps just maybe the star of Bethlehem, which I think, by the way, we have misnamed I think the wise men knew this is the star of Jesus Christ. I want to propose that this star is something far more than a reoccurring celestial phenomenon that can be 
be explained through natural law. That maybe in our enlightened 21st century minds, we've done a sort of injustice to the star and to the God who placed it in the night sky by trying to find naturalistic ways of explaining this. Beloved, it may be that what we have here in the star is no less miraculous than the angels appearing to the shepherds declaring the birth of the Messiah. No less miraculous than Gabriel appearing to Mary or Joseph or Elizabeth. No less miraculous than even God giving His law on Mount Sinai or giving His word to an Old Testament prophet. I wonder who proposed to you ultimately that this star, this star of Jesus, was nothing short of a divine act of supernatural revelation which declared the gospel message to all the nations of the earth. That's what I want us to see tonight from this text. Now, in order for us to understand this star properly, we have to first know a little something about the men who followed it. We have to understand the wise men, the magi. Who were the magi? Well, for starters, they were not Jews. These were Gentiles. They were non-Jewish people. People who... Quite honestly, the Jews would have considered to be pagans. And they were not kings, despite what some of the songs may say. They were not kings. They were probably something like a court advisor, maybe similar to what Joseph did uh, when he was in Egypt with Pharaoh or Daniel did in Babylon. We We also have good reason to believe that there were more than three of them. Now, we only assume there were three because there are three gifts uh, listed. But it's quite likely, given the distance that they traveled, that it was a caravan of wise men. Uh, And these wise men, we also believe from historical records, came from the ancient region of Babylon. They came from Mesopotamia. Now that, where they come from is sort of interesting to think about because, you know, as we read this account about the wise men, these court advisors, these magi from a far distant land, the question comes to our mind, why would people in Mesopotamia, non-Jews, in the region formerly known as Babylon, why would they know and why would they care about the king of the Jews? I was thinking about that question, and I couldn't help but consider the history of God's people. We know that in 722 B.C., the accounts of Scripture itself, the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by the Assyrians and taken into exile. We also know that the king of Assyria had an affinity for books coming from various cultures, especially writings which dealt with deities and prophecies and things like that. It's quite possible, though I don't know for sure, that perhaps some of the prophetic writings of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, were taken and preserved in that Assyrian library. That library, unfortunately, was mostly destroyed, but it could be that some of those scrolls of the Old Testament were preserved. But we also know that the Babylonian Empire came along, and it conquered the Assyrians, and then they conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, and the capital city of Jerusalem. 
and carried off some of the well-learned and upper-class Jews to the capital city of Babylon. We know that King Nebuchadnezzar valued things like multiculturalism, learning and reading and preserving writings, and that he had placed Jews in prominent positions in his own court. Men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And even in the book of Daniel, it seems King Nebuchadnezzar had a conversion experience in his life where he worshipped the God of Israel. And that surely led to the reading and the studying and the preservation of the Old Testament scrolls that would have been brought to Babylon. Furthermore, Cyrus the Great of Persia eventually conquered Babylon. And we know that in the Persian Empire, Jews continued to hold prominent positions. In fact, we know of one Jewish woman who rose to the rank of queen in Persia, that woman being Esther. And then, of course, in the Greco-Persian Wars, Greece conquered the Persian Empire, but they would then go on to build the great library of Alexandria. The point is this, beloved. As you think about history that is given to us in the Bible itself, and the history of the world that we know from other historical sources, think of God's providence here. Think of how he very well could have used the exile of Israel into foreign nations as a means through which the writings of the Old Testament were taken into pagan lands, preserved throughout the generations, preserved throughout the wars and the rising and the falling of great empires until the day of the birth of Christ. And through God's preservation of his word in those pagan lands, it's very possible, in fact, I'd say likely, that a group of wise men in Mesopotamia became students of the Old Testament. And so it would come to be that these magi, it seems they had some knowledge of some of the promises of the Old Testament. They may have had knowledge that God would send a messianic king to save his people and usher in a new kingdom. That this king would be born a real human. Perhaps they even knew the promise that when the king came, he would bring salvation not only for Israel, but for all the nations. Whatever they knew, we knew they had to know something about the coming of the king of the Jews and that his arrival would be a world-changing event. And so this is who the Magi were. This is where they came from. This is at least some, I think, solid speculation as to how they came to know about the prophecies concerning the birth of the King of the Jews, the birth of the Christ. But there's another question, one that one of my daughters asked during family worship last week, which I think is quite a profound question. And the question is, how did the wise men know that when this star appeared, they should follow it to find the Christ. That, beloved, is a question I cannot answer. But I do believe it is at least some evidence towards the idea that the appearance of the star was not merely a natural phenomenon, but instead a supernatural act of divine revelation from God. Now, it's no secret that history is full of ancient astrologers studying the heavens, seeing unique events which they believed heralded the birth of great kings. But that reality doesn't change the fact that we still don't know how the wise men knew 
that the appearance of this particular star meant the birth of the king of the Jews, and that by following it, they would be led to him. And beloved, the only explanation I can give as to how the Magi knew is to say that the Lord himself revealed it to them. Somehow, whether it was in a dream or in a vision, we know from our text today, the Magi were warned in a dream by God to not return to Herod. So they were receiving revelatory dreams somehow, whether in a dream, a vision, an audible voice, the Lord made it known to them, if you follow this star, you will come to the one whom you read about in my word. If you follow this star, you will find your God and Savior. So the Magi, truly wise men, followed the star. Now it's interesting to me, whatever they read, whatever they heard concerning the king of the Jews, there's one thing it appears they have not read. They apparently did not read the scroll of the prophet Micah where the prophet foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so they did what I think all of us would do if we were looking for an important king. We would go to the capital city and go to the palace. And so it seems the wise men followed the star, to Israel at least, and then on their own headed to Jerusalem, and there they met another man claiming to be the king of the Jews, King Herod, a faux king of the Jews, a false king, a man who was ethnically not even Jewish, but instead put in power by Caesar. And I won't spend a lot of time tonight focusing on Herod or his jealousy or his insecurity or his anger or his plot to commit infanticide throughout Israel so as to make sure his own throne would not be usurped. Our focus is elsewhere tonight, but we should note, beloved, what the wise men say to Herod. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star and have come to worship him. Beloved, that's a profound statement. The wise men knew that the star was the star of Jesus Christ. And they knew that the star would lead them to the one whom they were to worship. Isn't that what God's divine Revelation does. When God's divine revelation is received with hearts of faith, does it not lead us to Jesus Christ to worship Him? The star was divine revelation from God Himself, which led the nations, really. The nations are being represented here by these far-off, pagan, non-Jewish wise men. The star was revelation from God Himself, which led the nations to the Christ. And notice, it didn't lead the wise men to just the general area of Jesus Christ. It didn't merely get them into the vicinity of the Savior. No, after they spoke to Herod, they saw the star again, and they followed the star to the exact place where the child was. Look at verse 9. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
Now here's the real crux of it all for me, at least, beloved. I know of no naturally occurring astronomical phenomenon in which a great light in the sky, be it a star, a supernova, planetary conjunction, a comet, whatever, I know of nothing that goes and rests over a particular house. This is, unlike, this is unlike anything else that has ever appeared in the night skies. This is special revelation from God. You see, historically, Christians have classified God's revelation of Himself to us, mere creatures from the dust, into two categories. General revelation and special revelation. General revelation is exactly what Psalm 19 says. The heavens, meaning the stars, the planets, the, uh, the, the skies above us. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Or general, general revelation might be seen in the Apostle Paul's writings in Romans 1 when he says that God has made Himself known in the things that were made. General Revelation gives us a general knowledge of the reality that there is a God. And we can even learn a little bit about what that God is like. But general revelation has limitations. It was given in the creation itself. And therefore it was given before mankind rebelled and fell into sin. Because of that, general revelation is incapable of giving us a saving knowledge of God. The things that are made bear testimony to God, but they do not give a saving knowledge of God. And so in order to make His will for salvation known to us, in order to reveal our Savior to us, God has given us another kind of revelation. Special revelation. Special revelation is where God reveals Himself and His plan of salvation and His will for our lives through special, unique ways, primarily through His Word. Beloved, this star, not the star of Bethlehem, but instead the star of Jesus Christ, is special revelation from God which led a group of Gentile men from Babylon to a specific house in Bethlehem where they found a particular mother and with her a very specific boy, a boy who was none other than God Himself in the flesh. And as we will hear on Sunday morning, that boy, that particular boy was the very image of the invisible God who was Emmanuel, God with us. A boy who was the very savior of not just the Jews, but of all the nations. A boy who would grow up and be crucified, buried, raised, and through that life and death and resurrection would bring salvation to both the Jew and the Gentile if they would do as the Magi did, fall on their faces before him and worship. This particular boy, beloved, who the Magi found, he was not merely the king of the Jews. He was the very king of heaven, the king of kings and lord of lords. And this is the boy, beloved, who I believe the Magi, through the revelation of that star, 
knew that they would find if they followed it. Somehow, some way, they knew that if they would listen to and follow God's special revelation, they would find the Christ child. And as they followed the word of God, as it was made manifest to them in that star, they were led straight to the one who would be their God and Savior. They fell on their faces and worshipped. The star, I have no doubt, beloved, was a supernatural act of God's special revelation to them, an act of revelation which led to their salvation. Now, as we think about this amazing, amazing account, brothers and sisters, and as we reflect on this supernatural revelation of the Savior, I wonder how many of us can sometimes slip into thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if God spoke to us through signs and wonders like this star? How many could be saved and brought to Jesus if God would just miraculously reveal him in signs, in wonders, in dreams, in visions, in audible voices? Maybe more people from far off lands would come and worship Jesus if God would just do these types of things today. But understand something, beloved. You and I, we have something far greater than that star in the night sky. We have this special revelation. We have the Bible. We have the completed Scriptures. God's full, written revelation of Himself and of His plan for salvation. And the Word of God here that we can pick up and read, it is a far greater, a far brighter shining star than that one that appeared some 2,000 years ago to those wise men. That star led the wise men to Jesus Christ where they by faith worshipped Him and I have no doubt were saved. But that star was limited. That star could not and it did not declare to the wise men all that God would go on to reveal to us in the pages of Scripture? The wise men may have known that Jesus was their Savior, that He was God Himself in the flesh, but they would not know of the magnitude of God's love for them because they could not read of the life and the suffering of Jesus. In fact, when they returned to their homes and their earthly life, they probably heard nothing more about Christ and His earthly life. They would not hear about, in their earthly lives, they would not hear about how He would suffer the very pains itself, the, the very pains of hell itself on the cross. Or how He would go on to crush the head of the serpent on Calvary. How it is that Jesus would set them free from the tyranny of sin and death and the devil. They believed He would do it, but they didn't know how. And they probably in their earthly life did not hear of how Jesus did it. They would not know from that star of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the eternal hope that the event of the resurrection brings all of God's people. They would not hear how Jesus would be the first fruit of those who would be raised from the dead. How it is that Jesus would ascend back into heaven to be our great high priest 
in the heavenly places, how Jesus would open up the way for us to gain access to God's heavenly throne room so that we can come to God with confidence. They were not here in their earthly lives through the star of the day when Jesus would return to judge the living and the dead, to establish his kingdom in the new creation. They would not hear in their earthly lives how it would be that boy who they bowed down and worshiped that day. It would be that boy who would one day return in glory and who would wipe away every tear from their eyes. That star, beloved, it led them to the Savior. It led to their salvation. It was fully sufficient for what they needed at that time. But what a fuller picture, a fuller revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have received today in this act of special revelation, God's written word to us. What a fuller hope, a fuller assurance we have received because God no longer speaks to us in signs and in wonders, but rather he speaks to us through his very spirit breathed word and that's this word beloved which is sufficient to lead the nations to Jesus Christ as we close tonight brothers and sisters let me just make a brief point of application for us I've been thinking of this amazing event hopefully we think of the star of Jesus Christ maybe a little differently tonight Spurgeon, in this devotional that I read from earlier, called the star a great gospel preacher. And the star, in a sense, was that it led the wise men to their salvation. But the application for us tonight, and this might seem maybe a little cheesy. I actually kind of cringed a little bit as I was writing this, but I think it's true. The application is this, beloved, if you belong to Jesus, if you've received him by faith, if you've bowed down before him and you've worshipped him, then let me challenge you, in a sense, to be the star which leads others to the Savior. Now, I am not saying that you can speak new and special revelation from God. I'm not saying that you are prophetic. Nothing like that. But you can proclaim God's already given special revelation, the Word of God, the Bible, the Gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Maybe tomorrow is a good day to do that, by the way. Many of us are going to be gathering with extended family, and I know it's a nicety. It was a rule in my family growing up to never bring up religion or politics at the dinner table. Those, of course, were my favorite subjects, so I was often the black sheep of my extended family. But consider the opportunity you have tomorrow. How can you, who has been led to your Savior, not speak of him? You can and you should be a person who is willing to be used by the Lord to lead others to his Son. How will they believe, beloved, if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless you go and preach to them. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that we are the light of the world. And so, like that star, that great light in the night sky which appeared to the Magi and led them to an even brighter light, the one who is the very radiance of the glory of God, 
We are to be a light in this dark and dreary world. A light of which the world will take notice. And Lord willing, through our light will be led to the light of Jesus Christ. Where they can fall on their faces before him and worship him.